الحمد للہ الحمد للہ وکفا وصلات وسلام علی عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم ورفع ابویه علی العرش وخروا له سجدا وقال یا ابتی هذا تأویل رؤیا من قبل قد جعلها ربی حقا وقال النبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم لا یؤمن احدکم حتی یحب لأخیه ما یحب لنفسه او کما قال النبی صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم We decided it was just a very small portion of one ayat of Surah Yusuf. And this appears towards the latter part, right towards the end almost, of the Surah. Surah Yusuf is something that almost every person is quite familiar with at least the name. And perhaps many other Surahs of the Quran Sharif, we might not know the names, those who are not ah. Hafiz of the Quran Sharif, but Surah Yusuf perhaps everybody is familiar with. And this is a Surah which Allah Ta'ala Himself describes in the Quran Sharif that نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ That this incident that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Surah Yusuf, Allah Ta'ala Himself declares it as أَحْسَنَ الْقَصَصِ The best of narratives that have been related. So these narratives, these incidents mentioned in the Qur'an Sharif about the Anbiya Ali Wasalam, about the nations of the past, these are obviously not bedtime stories. The Qur'an Sharif is the word of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Qur'an Sharif is Hidayat. Zalikal kitabu la fi hudallil muttaqeen. This is a book of Hidayat. And every Ayat, every line, every word, every letter, and every dot is hidayat. It's a means of getting closer to Allah wa ta'ala. The recitation of the Quran Sharif, the recitation of the words without even understanding the meaning. This is a means of getting closer to Allah ta'ala. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi is reported to have said, that these hearts also get rusted. إِنَّ هَذِهِ الْقُلُوبَ تَسْدَعُ كَمَا يَسْدَعُ الْحَدِيدِ إِذَا أَصَابَهُ الْمَاءِ That these hearts also get rusted. Just as iron rusts when water comes upon it. So when something gets rusted, then there's a way of cleaning it. It'll be sanded down, rubbed down, whatever. And then all the processes will be then applied to now clean out that rust. So if hearts get rusted, there must be some way in which hearts get cleaned out of the rust as well. So the Sahaba inquired from Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi how does this heart then get cleansed out of this rust? So what Nabi Sallallahu mentioned was excessive recitation of the Quran Sharif and excessive remembrance of death. So this recitation of the Quran Sharif. So the Quran Sharif is hidayat in every way even in its recitation, that the person who would recite the Qur'an Sharif with the niyat of hidayat, that even that recitation would become a means of hidayat. 
But then it doesn't finish off only on tilawat. Tilawat is an extremely important part and should be a part and parcel of a mu'min's daily life. That no day should go past without a person having made tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. And as we understand from this Hadith Sharif, that this is the polish of the heart. This is what will cleanse the heart of that rust. And the whole day, the kind of environments that we get confronted with, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's out on the street, wherever it is, that a person would have to have this polish every day because that heart gets rusted. One walk through the street and his heart gets rusted. Even if he guards himself as much as he wishes, but the sounds that will fall in his ears and the unintentional accidental glances that might happen, what not takes place as a result of which this rust still settles on the heart. And therefore the stilawat together with the various other amal to cleanse this heart of this rust and this excessive remembrance of death. So tilawat of the Quran Sharif is also one of the very important parts to bring us closer to Allah Ta'ala, to gain this hidayat. But then together with that is to understand the message of the Quran Sharif. And all these incidents that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned is for this purpose, to get us this understanding of the Quran Sharif, to bring this hidayat to us. Sometimes shaitan whispers this thought in the heart of people that, well, this was something that pertained to the Ambiyali Muslim. What great personalities they were. Where am I? This is the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, where am I? So Allah Ta'ala mentioned it in the Quran Sharif for who? Allah Ta'ala mentioned all these incidents of the Ambiyali Muslim in the Quran Sharif. Was it for somebody else? The Quran Sharif has been revealed as hidayat for us. And the lives of the Sahaba, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has emphasized that emulating the Sahaba, tamassaku bi sunnati wa sunnati al-khulafa'ir rashidin al-mahdiyin, and then ashabi kan nujum. So sometimes we say, well, these were Sahaba. We, we are, I'm an ordinary person, forget ordinary person, I'm a big gunagar, and where's a Sahaba? So are the incidents of emulating the Sahaba for somebody else? Is it for the Yahud and Nasara? Is it for somebody else? It's for us. We want to join them on the day of Qiyamah. We want to be raised among Minan Nabiyyin, Wa Siddiqeen, Wa Shuhadai, Wa Salihin. We want to be raised among the Anbiya Ali Musalat together with them, alongside them, alongside the Siddiqeen, alongside the Shuhada and Salihin. So these incidents are for us, it's not for anybody else. And this is where we have to draw the inspiration from. And this is what we have to make an effort to implement in our lives. So Surah Yusuf also is not some kind of bedtime story. No, every bit of this incident that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned is ibrad, is a lesson. And it is meant for us to take to heart and to implement in our lives. So this ayat is right towards the end of Surah Yusuf. But just to understand the message that is in this ayat, very briefly to just go through the incident of Surah Yusuf without getting into details, just the very, very broad discussion of the incident, which we have probably heard many times, but just to refresh on that. That Yusuf wasalam, he was very attached to his father, his father was very attached to him, he was the apple of the eye, 
And as time went, the other brothers got jealous over this. So they decided to now dispense with him. So what they did was they took him along, somehow coaxed the father to let them let him come along with them with them. And they went and finally threw him into a well, cutting out many, many details. This is what they did. They threw him into a well and they came back and made up some sad story that the wolf came and devoured him. Now here, Yusuf salam, a young boy, according to some narrations, he was 17 years, some say he was even younger than that. Now he's in the depth of this well. Allah Ta'ala makes the intizam and the arrangements that one caravan that was traveling gets lost. Now in our understanding, all these are coincidences, but when Allah Ta'ala decides to protect somebody, Allah Ta'ala decides to raise and elevate somebody, then the entire system of Allah Ta'ala will work in that person's favor. And then we will say somebody got lost and somebody, something happened by chance and there was some coincidence. But all this is in the divine system of Allah Ta'ala. When Allah Ta'ala decides to elevate somebody, Allah Ta'ala will make somebody else get lost to come pick him up. So any cases, caravan got lost. Now they missed the road somewhere and they came. Now they needed water. So they send somebody to go and look for water. This person comes, finds one well, pulls out the bucket. But in the bucket, instead of water, there's a child in there. There's a boy in there. Any case, they, again, leaving out many of the details, they capture him as a slave. Because they said, well, we can make money out of this. We'll just make him as a slave and sell him off. Youngster of this nature, anybody will pay us a very great price for him. They come finally... Again, many other details are there involved. They come and sell him in the markets of Egypt. Now, this was one major issue. He got separated from his father. And he is now was thrown in the depths of this well. This is such a difficult moment. Now, the father doesn't know where the son is. The son has got no way to contact the father. And what a painful situation this was. Now, the second part comes in. That he's now being sold as a slave. Any case, he's sold as a slave and he's purchased by the Aziz Emissar, the minister of Egypt. And now he's brought into the royal household. And there, the wife of the minister tries to seduce him, but Allah Ta'ala's divine protection was with him. And he totally rebuffs this and he flees towards Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala causes those locked doors, seven locked doors, one after the other. Allah Ta'ala causes them to miraculously open. When a person flees towards Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala's system will open out for him. So in any case, when this got done, some rumors started spreading. They tried to frame him, tried to pass the blame onto him. So again, in order to just hush everything up, the king takes Yusuf al-Islam and imprisons him. So now if he's in prison, the whole story will die down. So now this is another whole chapter in the situation. That now he's in prison. And a good amount of time passes in prison. Years pass. Can we imagine prison life? And now again, there's no way. One is, a person is in prison, is hard enough. But when a person, there's no idea what happened to him, that adds to the pain. 
Yaqub al-Islam doesn't even know what happened. Where is he? What's going on? And he has no idea what's going on with his father. And now years pass. Eventually Allah Ta'ala creates again the means. Because the means are in the control of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala creates the means for his release. Makes the king see some dream. Now he wanted an interpretation. Yusuf Al-Islam gives the interpretation. And he gets so astounded with this interpretation. He says, bring him out. This person is somebody special. And then eventually he is appointed on the treasury of Egypt. And he finally becomes, so to say, the king of Egypt. Not exactly the king, but he began ruling, so to say. Now this is the entire Surah Yusuf just in a nutshell. Just the main points. This is a very long time. According to some Mufassirin, the minimum time period that had elapsed from the time he was snatched away from his father and thrown in that well until the time when finally he was reunited with his father and family. The minimum time period some have explained as 23 years. Some have explained it as 40 years. And some have even mentioned that it was up to 80 years. But the least amount of time was 23 years. And now he's on the throne of Egypt. And now come these brothers in a completely destitute situation. And they are virtually begging. And Yusuf is on this position of authority, this position of strength, this position of uh, might. And finally, this they first don't even realize who they're speaking to. Because they last saw him as a young boy, as a child. Eventually when all this opens out, he sends them back, go and bring my parents and come. So he gives them his kurta. Because Yaqub had become blind. According to Mufassirin, due to the excessive crying and weeping over Yusuf Now this Glad tiding is brought along. فَلَمَّا al بَشِيرُ أَلْقَاهُ عَلَىٰ وَجْهِهِ فَرْتَدَّ بَصِيرًا Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala mentions that now this person, one of the sons, Yehuda, so he is bringing this kurta back and he insisted, I'm going to be the one taking it. Because in the first instance, after we threw him in the well, I took his shirt and his kurta, I took it with that, just that blood of one sheep, and I went and made that sad story. That no, this wolf devoured him. There's a blood. So I caused the grief the first time around. So I'm going to now take this glad tidings to make amends for that time. So in any case, he comes with this kurta of Yusuf and passes it over the eyes of Yaqub and this miracle Allah makes manifest that فَرْتَدْ the basira. The Quran Sharif mentions his sight returned. Now when his sight returned, obviously he was very overjoyed. He had already given some indication to those around him that Yusuf is still around somewhere. Now that his sight returns, it is mentioned in Tafsir Qurtubi that the first thing, or among the first things he asks the son that brought this glad tiding, that Yusuf is well, he's safe, and this is the kurta he sent, I'm going to pass it over your face now, inshallah you'll be blessed with sight again. Yaqub gains his sight, and among the first thing he asks, is Kaifa Tarakta Yusuf. What condition you left him behind and came? You saw him and came. What was his condition? So the son replies and says, Inna hu Maliku Misr. 
what you're asking about his condition. He's a king of Egypt. He said, I'm not asking about whether he's a king. What, what does that matter to me? What does that matter to me? Ma asna'u bil mulk. My question is, ala taraktahu. What is the condition of his deen? I haven't seen him for ages. He left as a small child. I haven't seen him since then. What is the condition of his deen? So now when the son explains, Alhamdulillah, everything is, is more than what you can imagine. Now Yaqub is comforted. Now he's feeling at ease. Otherwise he was told initially he's a king. That did interest him. Somebody didn't see his child for a long time. Somebody brings back some news and come. Oh, your son is now already in parliament. Say, really? Man, I didn't think he'll make something of himself. So now he made something of himself. He's already in parliament. But what's the condition of his deen? One person came, to was a Mufti Shafi Sahib, who was the Grand Mufti of Pakistan in his time. And uh, he says, well, I sent my son to England to study. Now that time was a very, very rare thing. Somebody would go overseas to that. It was not even in the means of 99% of the people. This was like a very big thing. So he says, well, I sent him overseas to study. And uh, he's really progressed a lot. The only thing is, he's just become a little bit, thora sa baddeen ho gaya hai. He's just lost his deen a little bit. I just lost his deen a little bit. Now, that loss of deen was just, that's a small thing, nauzubillah. But he's progressed, meaning progress in dunya. One person even, his idea of that progress of his son was that now this was a very unusual thing in, in the Indo-Pak subcontinent at that time that is mentioned about somebody that he urinates standing. He says, well, now he's gone to England for so long and came back. Now this is what he, how he goes about life. Now, that was a sign of his progress. Uh, he's progressed. So the person became Thorasa Baddin. Thorasa. person lost some part of his deen. It's that too is trivialized. It's a small thing, Nauzubillah. But yes, his progress in dunya. Yaqub Islam is giving us a very big lesson. That whatever progress in dunya is of no avail to a person if he is not, if it's not within the limits of deen. That progress is not progress. That is just a deception of progress. Because that so-called progress will become a means of destruction. Because that is out of the boundaries of deen. Yes, whatever is within the limits of deen, alhamdulillah, that too is a means of earning a person's living, etc. Very good, no problem. But the primary thing is deen. Yaqub Islam asked him, what is the condition of his deen? So then when he was informed, no, his deen is intact, everything is fine, his taqwa, etc. Now he was at ease. Then he says to the son who brought the glad tiding. This too is part of the etiquette. Somebody brought a glad tiding to give him something. When Kaab bin Malik, radiallahu ta'ala, lengthy incident at Tabuk, they didn't participate. And as a kind of retribution, they were boycotted on the instruction of Rasulullah, him and various few other sahaba. For 50 days, nobody would talk to them. Nobody make salam to them also. The lengthy incident, eventually when the Toba was accepted and the ayat of the Quran Sharif were revealed, highlighting the acceptance of their Toba, Nabi Islam announced it in the masjid. He was in a distant place. So one person rode at a high speed and went to give him the glad tiding. Another person stood up on one hill and he shouted out from there. The voice of the person on the hill reached first. Because now he's just shouting out at a high pitched voice that be happy about this, take the glad tiding. 
Nabi Islam has announced the acceptance of your tawbah. Eventually this person reaches, he says at that time the only thing I owned was the clothes I was wearing. So I borrowed some clothes to wear and I gave this person who brought the glad tidings the clothes as a gift. So this is etiquette. Yaqub says to him that I wish to give you something as a gift. You brought this glad tidings. But for seven days there was nothing even cooked in this house. Nothing. Poverty. So what is there to give you? Nevertheless, I'll give you dua now. And the dua he gave him, Imagine this was such a big occasion. For such a big occasion, he presented a very big dua. If somebody gives us some dua, we'll be happy, we'll appreciate it. We'll say, fine, Jazakallah for the dua, but anything else also? Dua is there, but something with it, something that I can carry along. Whereas, what can be greater than this dua? The dua he gave him, Allah Ta'ala ease the pangs of death for you. Allah Ta'ala ease the pangs of death. Those who understand that reality at this occasion, he said, this is a special time. And a special time, his heart is brimming with joy. Special dua. The special dua, Rasulullah asked me to make this dua. And taught us to make this dua. So those who understand these realities, this is a very big dua. Allah Ta'ala give you the ease at the time of death. In any case, Yaqul now is brought along. Together with the rest of his family, they all brought to Egypt. So now when they come, Yusuf meets him. Again, many, many details in there. We just, this is just to come to the point that we wish to discuss. So now father and son meet after such a lengthy separation. And they embrace one another. And they start crying. Yusuf says to Yaqub that you cried so much that you lost your sight. But we were going to meet again on the day of Qiyamah. Meaning if we didn't meet here in dunya again, we would have met on the day of Qiyamah. Qiyamah would have united us. Yaqub replies and says to him, and this is the very important point again, he says, my fear was, a yuslaba deenuk. My fear was that you must not lose your deen. You were snatched away as a young child. And now I don't know where you are, and in whose hands you are, and under whose influence you might be, and what not can happen. This was my fear. That crying was not just merely on some separation, but that fear that Allah forbid, he had no way of knowing what is going to be the outcome, and what's going on on the other side. A yuslaba deenuk, that you must not lose your deen, your deen must not get snatched away somehow. That was the point of fear. And if that happened, we would have never met each other. Neither dunya nor akhirat. Or if you met in dunya also, akhirat is gone. So any case now that they have brought, and now the parents and father and son have met again and reunited. Now there's such a long separation in between. So many things have happened. There obviously some discussion going to take place. The Quran Sharif mentions the discussion. And this is the ayat of the Quran Sharif that 
We recited at the beginning one portion of it, which we did just briefly to discuss this. So first, Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَرَفَعَ أَبَوَيْهِ عَلَى الْعَرْشِ وَخَرُّوا لَهُ سُجَّدًا Ya'qub is there, and all the brothers of Yusuf are there, and as a sign of respect, a kind of manner of greeting that was permissible in that chariot. But they would bow down, or some say it was actually a prostration, but a prostration of merely greeting. Prostration of ibadat was never permissible for anyone but Allah Ta'ala. In any era, in any, under any Nabi's chariot, prostration of ibadat was only permissible for Allah Ta'ala. But in some shariats, like in the shariat of Yusuf Yaqub prostration of greeting, just as a greeting, there was some permissibility. In this, this deen, this shariat, not even that. No kind of sajda is permissible of, for anybody. Sajda is only for Allah. Wa ta'ala. So in any case, this is what happened. When this happened in front of him, he now addresses his parents and says, that this is the interpretation of the dream that I saw as a young child. I saw the sun, the moon and 11 stars prostrating to me. Now it's a reality. This is the, what happened that time, this is the interpretation. So sometimes that interpretation might take decades to now become a reality. Doesn't mean that a person saw some dream today, tomorrow is going to happen. Even if it's a true dream. So in any case now he says, هذا تأويل رؤيا من قبل now he starts off with his karguzari. He starts off with his report back. He starts off giving an account of what happened now. We were so far apart for so long. Now there were three major parts to this whole incident in between. One was the part where Yusuf was thrown in the well. Then was the part and, and where he was separated now from his father. Then was the part where he is thrown into prison. In between many things have happened. He's thrown into prison. And the third important part was now this reuniting with his parents after such a long time. The reuniting with the parents took place right at the end. And the separation took place first. Yusuf al-Islam is relating this in whole Karguzari now. Where does he start off from? He starts off, وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ بِي إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ وَجَاءَ بِكُمْ مِنَ الْبَدْوِ مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ نَزَغَ الشَّيْطَانُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنِ إِخْوَتِي In between he was in the prison for years. First he mentions that my Rabb has been most kind to me. The whole drama has played out, so to say. And a whole uh, chapter of difficulties and hardships and so many sacrifices. But Yusuf Islam starts off with what? He starts off on the note of shukr. My Rabbi has been so kind to me. He doesn't start off even on the point where I was thrown into prison. Unjustly. And all the other hardships that came. My Rabb has been so kind, he brought me out of prison. Starts off on that note. One is, I was brought out of prison. And min al badu. We were separated for so long. He doesn't talk about that. Allah Ta'ala has brought you also. From where? You were staying in a rural setting somewhere. Where it's so difficult, so many 
things are very hard to come by. Life is so difficult. Allah Ta'ala brought you all from there and brought you all here in the city, which is now so easy. Everything is found. Immediately again, second part, shukr. And now where all this whole started off from, everything started off from what? From the time when the brothers, they plotted against him, snatched him away from the father, threw him into the well. That is where it all started from. He brings it right at the end, because now somewhere that is going to come up. Can't escape it. So how does he just wrap that chapter up? He wraps it up on the note, وَمِن بَعْدِ أَن نَزَغَ الشَّيْطَانُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ إِخْوَتِي And all this happened after when? After shaitan caused all this problem between my brothers and I. Shaitan caused this dissension and whatever else. Took it and lumped it on shaitan's head. My brothers are not the kind of people to do all this. My brothers, this is not their, this is un, not, not part of their character. Shaitan caused all this problem. We only decide to lump it on shaitan to find an excuse for ourselves. Why you did this wrong? Shaitan caused it. But to make an excuse for somebody else and say, no, this is not the person. This was shaitan's mischief. Don't worry about it. That time we forget, no, it's shaitan's mischief. But when it's our mischief, then our mischief is shaitan. Well, if shaitan got hold of us, then it's shaitan and us together, hand in hand. But Yusuf he is making a kind of excuse on behalf of his brothers. Close this chapter up. All this is done. Now all these major difficult moments that passed, he is talking about it on a note, bringing first the sugar out of it. فَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ بِي إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ Allah Ta'ala has been so kind to me, brought me out. This positive thinking, this having this great courage, when a person has, dunya is dunya, dunya is a place of challenges, nobody in dunya is without challenges. But a person who maintains that himmat, that courage, he does not allow things to overwhelm him. And that is within his capacity. How he takes things in his stride. What is the way he focuses his mind? In which direction he focuses his heart and mind? That will depend now how he will, the same thing, how he will respond to it, how he will feel about it. It's not going to change what's happening. But it will make a difference of how he feels about it. The way to understand it is, that somebody is standing on a 50-story building. He's standing on a 50-story on the top floor. And now on the top floor of a 50-story building, he looks down. So everything looks miniature size, minute. He's standing from a 50-story building and he's looking down. Alongside there's another building, maybe three stories high, four stories high. Now the three, four stories high is quite a height. But from the top... From that 50th story, it looks like a matchbox. But it is four stories high. But it's looking like a matchbox. But now that person comes and he's lying flat down on the ground. And now there's one single story alongside him. He's looking up at it, looking at very high. And if it's one small little ant or something, there's a little kennel next to it. See, this is like a mansion, this is like a skyscraper. Because he's looking at it from its low point. So likewise, when a person maintains that himmat, that courage, 
and not just courage in the worldly sense, that courage that comes from the strength by connecting to Allah Ta'ala, by having his yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala, by having his tawakkul and trust in Allah Ta'ala, by focusing on the reality that it all happens with the will of Allah Ta'ala. The dunya is a very, very temporary place. The eternal place is akhirat. This is a passing phase. All kinds of things will happen here as a test. So whatever has to be done, sometimes there are certain steps a person has to take, there are certain uh, reactions he has to react in, all that, whatever is within the limits of shariat, whatever is the correct thing to do at a certain time, whatever might be advised to him in the light of mashwara, he'll do, all these things will carry on in life. But if he has built his courage up, and to the extent that he has connected himself to Allah Ta'ala, and to the extent that he has built his tawakkul and trust in Allah Ta'ala, and he keeps his focus on the reality of things, then he'll be looking at things from the 50th story down. And when looking at problems from up down, those big problems also will look small to him. He'll let him do it, he'll do what is necessary, whatever has to be done, he'll be taking his, whatever steps required to be taken, but it won't overwhelm him. He's insan, he'll feel something about it, there'll be some pain, there'll be irritation sometimes, there'll be sometimes even whatever other situations and emotions human beings go through, he'll go through also. But he's looking at it from the 50th floor down, big problems also look small to him. But if that himmat he has not built it, he's looking from down up, then small problems also will look very big. But the problem will still be what it is. But when he was looking from top down, it looked small, so he felt lighter. When he looks from down up, the problem is still the same. But he's looking bigger now. So he feels even more down and out. Now this is that lesson of positive thinking that we have been taught in this. That to be positive, yes, difficulties are there, challenges are there, this is dunya, all kinds of things will happen. But to always find the positive in something, there's always some positive. And for a mu'min, for a mu'min, there's never a situation without a positive. That, okay, this now was a very, very difficult moment, but alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala made it possible to adopt sabr. Subhanallah, what a great ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. That, okay, this is not something to ask for, was ask for afiyat, but now this came up, but Allah Ta'ala made it possible to make sabr. And Allah Ta'ala mentions about sabr, inna Allah sabirin. Allah Ta'ala is with the, those who are patient. What more do I want? And Allah Ta'ala rewards those who make sabr bi ghayri hisab, limitless. Now when a person focuses on this, the problem is still there. The problem hasn't changed. But he starts feeling better about it. He starts feeling lighter. Now that's up to him. How he takes it, how he wants to take it, how he wants to respond to it. This is what Yusuf Islam is teaching us. So one is that he brought out this positive in it. And despite the difficulties, which he made sabr on obviously, he didn't let go the aspect of shukr. Throughout the whole discussion is shukr. Then in the other, the other lesson in all this is, that apart from now this positive way in which he is presenting all this, his brothers are there, they are also listening obviously, it's a very embarrassing moment for them, that now, they also know what they did, 
everything is in front now. So to just cover up for them, now this is consideration. Consideration for others. In difficult circumstances, but even to the point where we are being taught consideration for those who harmed us. So now this is okay, you will say a very high level thing. So consideration for those who harmed one, if that too is what is being taught in Shariat and Deen, what about consideration for those who are near and dear to us? Consideration for generally people, it's consideration. Consideration in how something is presented. Now he's talking about this very painful incident. My brothers, what they did, but how he says it, out of consideration for them. After shaitan came and caused all this problem between us, between my brothers and I, and dismissed it, out of consideration. And this, many things which are very, very integral part of the, parts of deen, we don't even sometimes have the concept that this is part of deen, this is a very big part of deen. If you look into the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa will be astounded to the extent of consideration, the lesson of consideration. What greater ibadat can they be than salah? Nabi Wasallam in one hadith, in that time, the woman would also attend the salah with jama'ah, though they were encouraged, even in that time already, that the best place for a woman to perform her salah is in the innermost corner of her home, innermost room of her home. Sahabiyah comes to Rasulullah and says that I wish to perform and I, I want to perform salah behind you. Nabi Salaam says, I know about it. But your salah in my masjid behind me, your salah in your home, in the outer room of your home is better than your salah in my masjid. And your salah in the inner room is better than the salah in the outer room. That sahabiya never then came out of her home. She continued performing her salah right there. Though Nabi Salaam was still alive and this continued in that time. But Nabi Salaam himself paved the way for this. That in that time there was a need for it, for the woman to also come hear directly the lesson of deen because this was going to be the foundation. Any case, that's another subject on itself. Nabi Islam is performing the salah and then he says sometimes, he would say that when I commence the salah, the thought would be there that I should recite a bit more. But then I hear the crying of a child. I hear the crying of a child which means some mother has come along with her child. Now that mother is obviously in salah. And the child is crying. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi says, I shorten the salah, meaning I don't recite a longer qirat then. And I shorten the qirat. Why? Due to what I can understand, the distress of the mother over her child. That now the child is crying, and it's a natural instinct of a mother, that when the child cries, she wants to immediately attend to the child. But now she's in salah, she can't do that. So now as the child goes on crying, the distress of the mother will increase. Nabi Wasallam in his salah is considering the distress of that mother over her child. Now if it was us, we'd say now, whoever's crying and whoever's dying over that crying, I'm in ibadat now. I'm making salah. And people can't think about it. What a great ibadat I'm in. They want me to make it short now. But Allah's Nabi Wasallam is teaching us this consideration. I shorten my salah out of that consideration for that mother who is now going to be distressed over the crying of her child. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, these are just some little pointers from here and there. 
And there's so much in the hadith. If one opens the hadith, it's astounding how much there is. In the Quran Sharif, in the hadith. Just a few pointers. One hadith, Nabi Islam says, La tasubbu al-amwat. فَتُؤْذُوا بِهَا الْأَحْيَاءِ Now there were many people who died on kufr. Islam had just come and some were still arch enemies. Some had, the father had accepted Islam in some cases. The son was still a disbeliever. The son became a Muslim. The father remained a disbeliever. And half the family this side, half that side. A lot of people had that kind of situation. So many people died on kufr also. Many people died on the battlefield against Rasulullah They had come out against him and they were killed. How they were killed? They died on kufr. The end result is known as Jahannam. But Nabi is advising people now that look, don't talk ill of those dead. They're already gone now. They're gone where they're supposed to have finished off. They're gone already. But don't talk ill of them because you are going to cause grief to those who are living. Somebody's father has gone already. He's died on kufr. He's gone. But the son is alive. Now you're going to talk ill of that person who died on kufr. But that son is after all a son. The least is he's going to be pained and hurt. That my father died on kufr. Now why are you causing this taklif? Don't cause this taklif to the living by talking ill of the dead. Now can we imagine to what if, whereas those people died on kufr. They died on kufr, but out of consideration for their living Muslim relatives. Nabi Islam says, don't talk about them now, leave it, let it be. Now this consideration, whereas unfortunately what is the situation? Let alone somebody who's gone, somebody who's, Allah forbid, gone on kufr. But somebody has some kind of problem with another person. So now, just as an example now. He's got a problem with his, maybe his brother-in-law. The problem is what is with his brother-in-law. But who keeps hearing about it? So his wife must keep hearing about it. Your brother is like this. Your father is like that. Or the other way around. Now, what, what wrong did this person do? Now the least consideration was, they don't even mention it. But here it's mentioned in a hurtful manner. One is a problem with whoever the person has. And the other is he keeps talking about it to somebody else to hurt them deliberately. How far away we are from the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu Nabi Islam is saying somebody died on kufr. He's gone. He's finished off in Jahannam. But don't discuss him where his living Muslim relatives are going to now be grieved about it. Consideration. The various ahadiths one hadith Rasulullah talks about the aspect about when a person, or rather just time is very limited, we'll just discuss this one more. To consider even people's nature, their disposition. People, everybody has a different nature, different disposition. Somebody is very easygoing. Sometimes some people are not so easygoing. Somebody might be very soft-natured, somebody not so soft-natured, and all the different ways in which people might be. One Sahabi, now people had come, clo- come into Islam, 
they were still new and some had come into Islam now at an old age. Now somebody is 70 years old, somebody might be 80 years old. He's lived his life and habits and ways have grown into him. Now things will take a while to change. One person was a little bit hard in his disposition. Some, what we'll call jubbas, had been brought as booty. The Nabi Salaam kept on aside. Sometime later the Sahabi comes. He's an old person now. He comes along with his son. The Nabi Salaam hears him from inside the house. He hears him. This person has come. Nabi Salaam comes out with that jubba. This particular one had gold buttons on it. So he holds it in such a way that that button is visible. So now it becomes obvious that this is not just an ordinary one. This is something special. The Nabi Salaam comes out. And he now presents it to him in this manner. Khaba'atu laka hadha. Khaba'atu laka hadha. Ya Abal Miswar. Miswar ibn Makhrama radiallahu ta'ala. And his father Makhrama. So Ya Abal Miswar. I, I kept this specially for you. Now this is outwardly just a standard thing apparently. But the narrator then says. He explains now. What is the background to this? Wakana fi khuluqihi shiddatun. There was some hardness in his, in his nature. In his character. Nabi Islam was softening him in this manner. So Nabi Islam took into cognizance, well, this is how this person's nature is, that consideration, that somebody's nature is like that, so you can't ignore that nature of the person. You'll have to work on it. You'll have to now mold it. Somebody's nature is like that, so now you're going to have to work from that point up. Nabi Islam, being the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, is taking this practical step as a means of now softening this person's nature. I saying, look, I gave you the special consideration. I kept this specially aside for you. I brought this for you now. This got gold buttons on it. And this is a lesson of consideration that those who were truly the ardent followers of Rasulullah we find this in their lives as well. There are so many incidents. Time is already long past, but it's difficult to close this without mentioning a few incidents of our Kabir, who were the very ardent lovers of Rasulullah and together with all the other sunnats, how they lived this lesson of consideration as well. The one incident that we've probably mentioned on many occasions was the Mashawali Thanvi Rahmatullahi in his old age and he was very ill, just to very quickly just sum it up, he had to go late at night to go and to go to the toilet and as he was coming back now the toilet used to be out and in the darkness and now he was extremely weak that exertion on the way he collapsed he fainted and now when he fainted that lota that jug there was no water on tap so he had to take the water and go along so he had the jug in his hand so that jug that empty jug fell off also obviously he fainted now when he regained consciousness he realized what happened now so he woke up and made his way to his bed when he made his way to his bed, he now remembered that when I fell, that jug was in my hand. So that jug is lying somewhere. Number one, darkness, somebody might walk in that direction, they might trip and fall. The other thing is, somebody might go to its place to look for it, it's not going to be in its place, they're going to be inconvenienced. So now one simple thing was, he can just call out to his wife who was sleeping there, that look, this is what happened, please go and put that in its place. But now out of consideration for her that she is asleep now, why should I disturb her sleep? In that condition, a person ill 
elderly who's just fainted, who's just collapsed, was unconscious for a while, now regained consciousness, and now just made his way to his bed. Number one, he doesn't want to be inconsiderate to somebody sleeping. Number two, he doesn't want to be inconsiderate to somebody who might look for that. And number three, he's concerned about somebody who might trip over it. He wakes up and goes back looking for it, finds it, puts it in its place and comes back to sleep. Consideration. It is mentioned about him that at times there used to be a lot of correspondence. Like one day sometimes, very huge pile of correspondence and he would reply to it all. Now the next day, the person who was responsible to take it to the post office. So he would look at the pile sometimes, when sometimes it would be a very big pile. He say, look, leave some little bit for tomorrow. This time today became a very big pile. Leave some for tomorrow. All this you're going to take one time is going to be really a very big load for the postman. Now he's going to have to stamp all this and whatever other processes. That postman is probably a Hindu sitting there in the post, post office. But nevertheless now, this person now, his normal workload, this is going to increase his workload. Can we imagine what kind of thinking these people had? Where their minds were? At what level they used to think? We can't think sometimes within the four walls of our home. They're thinking about that Hindu in the post office. We can't think within the four walls of our bedroom. That in front of that wife people are sitting and watching filth. These people are thinking about somebody sitting in the post office. And then if this poor woman has to object... If you don't shut up, I will give you talaq. This is the consideration we have. Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi Where's the teachings of deen? What Nabi Islam has taught us? These people's lives are examples for us. And this is our response. This is how we conduct ourselves. This is our extent of consideration. This is a very big lesson in deen. And a very, very big lesson for us to implement in our lives. Many a times... When these kind of discussions take place, so, mashallah, we all accept wholeheartedly. Consideration, very important. So as of today, everybody will make sure they consider me. So now, the consideration lesson is for everybody else. Everybody must consider me. What deen has taught us in the whole, whole theme, in the lessons of deen, is the address is to the individual of what he should do. Husbands have rights, wives have rights. The rights have been explained, but they have been explained in the manner of addressing the husband about his responsibilities to the wife. That explains what are the rights of the wife. The husband is being explained how he must deal with his wife. And the wife in the hadith, Nabi Wasallam gives her the instruction, or tells the wife, so to say, that had I given anybody the permission to make sajda to anyone besides Allah Ta'ala, I would have instructed the wife to make sajda to the husband. Now, the respect that is necessary for the husband, the obedience to the husband, one is to have spelt it out like that. The husband, these are all your rights. You should be respected. You should be obeyed. You won't find that anywhere. The husband is addressed. You should be respected. No, the wife has been told, you must respect the husband. And the husband has been told how to deal with the wife. So the lesson in this is, in deen, every lesson is for me. So if I implement my lesson, I'm passing my test. Yes, others must also implement the lesson. But the lesson is for me. Sometimes you only remember others, we forget ourselves. But if every person has to remember 
himself that this lesson is for me. I must primarily and first and foremost implement it. So if everybody starts implementing it, who's going to have any complaint left? But this is how it starts off. Sometimes a person says that it takes two hands to clap. Say one hand, what do you want to do with one hand? One hand can only slap, can't clap. So it might be that generally this is how it happens. One hand can only slap, it can't clap. Yes, but the hand of akhlaq, the hand of akhlaq, it will force the other hand to clap sooner or later. And if perchance the person carried on extending the hand of akhlaq and nothing happened, it's never nothing happened, a lot happens. It might not be in the way that he was hoping it happens. But a mu'min, a mu'min, there's never a moment where he's at a loss. Ajaban li amril mu'min. Nabi Islam says, how amazing is the matter of a mu'min. In asabatu sarra, shakara, fakana khairan la. If some good comes to him, he makes shukar, that becomes good for him. That becomes khair, and that becomes a source of tremendous good for him. When asabatu darra, sabara, fakana khairan la. And if some difficulty comes, he makes sabar on that, that too becomes good for him. There's only good for him, provided that his focus is towards Allah Ta'ala. So this lesson of consideration is a very, very major lesson in deen, which we should be focusing very deeply on. Allah Ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq to implement all these lessons in our lives. And in this way, we'll get closer to Allah Ta'ala. We'll get closer to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And on the day of Qiyamah, we can then hope for his shafaat and intercession. الله تعالى جيبس التوفيق وآخر الدعوان عن الحمد لله رب Allah <laughs> La ilaha illallah 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 
ഹ <laughs> ഫുഗിവോ ഫ്രണ്ട്സ് 
the ummah is in pain, ya Allah. The widows of the ummah are crying, ya Allah. The orphans of the ummah are crying, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, the elderly are crying, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all this is due to our sins, ya Allah. We acknowledge all this is due to our misdeeds, ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Grant us and the entire ummah the tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, ya Allah. Save us and the entire ummah from such a'mal that bring down azab, ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, remove the difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove the poverty, Ya Allah. Remove the oppression from the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, blow the winds of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Allahumma hdina wahdibina wajalna sababan liman ihtada. Allahumma hdinna sa jami'a. Allahumma hdinna sa jami'a. Allahumma hdinna sa jami'a. Allahumma jalna hudatam muhtadeen غير ضالين ولا مضلين بالله العالمين يا الله يا الله كلنس وحاتس out of all the evils and vices يا الله فلا وحاتس with your محبت يا الله فلا وحاتس with your love يا الله فلا وحاتس with the love of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فلا وحاتس with the love of his مبارك سنة يا الله فلا وحاتس with the love of دين يا الله فلا وحاتس with the love of the efforts of دين يا الله فلا وحاتس with the love of the أعمال of دين يا الله إله العالمين save us from the ways of the يهود النصارى يا الله save us from all the فتنة and فساد يا الله Save us from all the vices, Ya Allah. Grant us the beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ilahu al-alameen, Ya Allah. Enable us to live his beautiful mu'asharat, Ya Allah. That way of life that he taught us, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, save us from the ways of the Yehud al-Nasara, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, grant us the tawfiq of performing our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Give us the importance of salah in our lives, Ya Allah. Remove all the evils, Ya Allah. Remove all the laziness, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, remove all the obstacles, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alameen, put the enthusiasm of deen, Ya Allah. Enable us to move towards salah with Allah, enthusiasm and zeal, Ya Allah. With true importance, Ya Allah. More with greater importance than we go to our work, Ya Allah. With greater importance than we go to our jobs, Ya Allah. With greater importance, Ya Allah. You forgive us, Ya Allah. The importance that we give to our sports, Ya Allah. Give us, Ya Allah, the importance for deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove all the futilities from our lives, Ya Allah. Remove all the vices from our lives, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, give us this great lesson of consideration, Ya Allah. Enable us to live this lesson of consideration, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those who are sick of them, Shifai, Kamila, Ajila, Mustamirra, Daima. And remove every taste of their ailments, Ya Allah. Chaos from our spiritual ailments, Ya Allah. Chaos from our physical ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those on any kind of difficulties, financial difficulties, Allah, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's risk, Ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib risk, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All those who have passed away, Ya Allah, make that complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman e kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Allah, grant us husn khatima, Ya Allah. Save us from a bad death, Ya Allah. Save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us death on complete and perfect iman, Ya Allah. Make our qabr's gardens of jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us the correct understanding of deen, Ya Allah. Keep us steadfast on deen, Ya Allah. Keep us steadfast on sirat mustaqim Ya Allah. Save us from all the isms, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, enable us to live the sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have raised their hands to this dua, you have to know of each one's needs, ya Allah. Fulfill each one's needs from the grave, ya Allah. Remove each one's hardships and difficulties, ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant all khair, ya Allah. Grant afiat and sukoon, ya Allah. Ilahul alamin, ya Allah. Whatever good Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa begged for, ya Allah, you bless us as well, ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sought refuge from, ya Allah, you protect us also, ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma sta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balagh wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi sayyidina Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabihi al-ma'in wa alhamdulillah